Hi everybody, we are Diane and Langdon and this is Diane and Langdon, a show in which we talk about various media, continuing with Full Metal Alchemist, the 2003 anime adaptation. I am Diane, I am an archaeologist in DC. I'm Langdon, I'm a comedian in DC. Uh, yeah, we took a took a brief break there, guys. Kind Passover. of on accident. <laughs> Passover snuck up on me. It does that literally every year. One year, I'm going to get it right. Next year, maybe. Next, <laughs> next year in Jerusalem. Next year in Jerusalem. Next year in Zenitime. No. Um, <laughs> we can have lemons with Passover. Uh, no. Uh, so we're looking at uh, Full Metal Alchemist again. We're looking at episode 14, which is called Destruction's Right Hand. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the first episode with the new intro and outro. So in, in a way, it is the first episode of the season. Oh, so I don't feel nostalgic. too bad about our little break. No, uh, no, no. Break between seasons. Yes. Uh, that's how that's... <laughs> that's what we're telling ourselves so we can sleep at night. Yes. But since we have been gone for a little bit, uh, let's start as we usually do by just recapping the story so far. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, so far we are following Edward and Alphonse Elric. They are brothers. They are alchemists. They tried to use alchemy to bring their mother back to life in a human mm-hmm. transmutation. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence... Uh, between them, they lost one arm, one leg, and one whole kid. Right. So, um, Alphonse is the kid who was lost. <laughs> Edward is the one who lost an arm and a leg. Alphonse is now a suit of armor. His soul is bound to that suit of armor with alchemy. Yep. Edward has a prosthetic arm and leg. They are a type of prosthetic that is unique to this universe called Automail. They are currently seeking a philosopher's stone as a means to get their bodies back. Yes. Edward, somewhat, well, not recently, a few years ago, became a state alchemist, the full metal alchemist, which means that he works for the military, who also runs the country. It's a stratocratic government. Um, and he is notable because he's the, he, and he's a, a minor league celebrity because he mm-hmm. is the youngest state alchemist ever. He got a certification when he was 12 years old. He's now 15. Alphonse is 14. Yes. Um, and the two of them have been on a campaign of mischief around the eastern part of the country of Amestris. That's right. Um, trying to find the Philosopher's Stone or clues about the Philosopher's Stone or something yeah. that will take them to the next step of their journey. Recently, they returned to East City and he was able to recertify his state alchemist license by doing a battle assessment mm-hmm. against uh, his, his handler, Roy Mustang. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But now they're looking for Dr. Marco, who is a military deserter who probably has information on the Philosopher's Stone. They got a couple clues about him when they were in Zenitime a couple episodes ago. Yes. And Mustang gave them another big clue, uh, specifically where he might be Yes. last episode. Uh, he gave this to us in a part of the country called East City, uh, where King Bradley and Boss Grand also currently are. King Bradley is the current Fuhrer, and Boss Grand is... is a brigadier general in charge of all state alchemists. They're in East City because these big wigs pressured Bradley to move there in response to a serial killer who's been running around Central murdering a bunch of state alchemists and various other people. Um, but five state alchemists and various other people. Where we are now, we know that, that the serial killer is on his way to East City. Yeah, we know um, that. We know that. But the... that's dramatic irony for you um the we've learned this information though that bradley came to east city from Maze hughes uh who is an intelligence and he was telling roy mustang this in a bar very shortly after edward and and roy mustang had sort of an alchemy duel so um that is important for later that you understand that he was told this in a bar one thing I'm interested in is finding out who these big wigs are that convinced. Because yeah, I assumed pressure Bradley to do anything. Right, I assumed the the Fuhrer president was the highest role. I know. One I assumed he was the biggest wiggest in the country. Right. Like, right. Um, I don't know anything anymore. But let's go ahead and jump into this episode because uh, a lot of stuff happens. Yes. So we definitely want to move pretty quick. Yeah, we do. Uh, as yeah, the episode does it's, itself, it's a lot. It starts where the previous season began in the eastern kind of desert town called Lior. Um, mm-hmm. And the boys were there and they deposed a corrupt minister and kind of freed the town from his, uh, just his being a bad dude. And the town since then, it's looking pretty rough. It's been really destroyed. The people 
who live there look really rough, and they're really starting to doubt Father Cornello. Although the real Father Cornello's dead. He's been replaced by someone named Envy. Um, we see the military actually gun down some of the citizens who are trying to tear down this statue of the local god Leto and trying to force their way into the church that Father Cornello lives in. Um, the woman we met in that previous arc, Rosé, she's hiding in a building with some children. And one thing that I find interesting is all the Leorans are very tan, very brown. Yeah, yeah. Um, which to me, we know that the Ishvalans, one of their marking characteristics is their darker skin. And it always makes me wonder, because I know she does typically draw the Leorans as a little tanner than your average Amestrian. But I wonder if they're trying to do some kind of uh, geographical ethnic thing and like really drive home that kind of ethnic genocide. Yeah. And they're making a point of showing that the two places that we know the military's gone in and gunned down citizens mm-hmm. were places where the citizens are darker than the rest of the country. Yeah, it seems to me that this Amestrian government is far more concerned with like race as a concept that needs to be annihilated than the the manga universe is. The manga universe definitely does use race to justify what it's doing, but the motivations are actually a little bit removed from that. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's just it's interesting the way that they're taking the the socio political issues and and sort of twisting them a little bit. Not twisting, but but readapting them, I suppose. Yeah. So we'll keep our eyes on that in terms of what they're trying to say with this story. Mm-hmm. In addition to the other things going on, we see that Lust and Gluttony, uh, two characters that we met in season one, two villains who have been kind of watching over the Elrics in the, from the shadows, they're also watching this go down yeah. in Lior. Uh, Father Cornello appears. We know that it's Envy. Um, he's inciting the conflict. He's intentionally causing more violence by getting the military involved and they, yeah. they talk about how it's really all to create this philosopher's stone. And Lust's uh, thesis is that humans are foolish beyond saving. Envy uses the privacy to transform back into their true form. Mm-hmm. I guess not their true form, but the form that they typically adopt, which they feel is adorable. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, and we can figure that it's not his true form because Lust comments on this not being their true form and saying oh this look again you really like looking younger don't you well i think that's one of the nice things about envy is they can look like whatever they want yeah but that that leads me to question what does envy look like um, and we know that that in the manga there is a true envy there is a true that envy really despises yeah their true form in the manga um so i wonder i wonder if they're planning to do anything with that here the conversation is interrupted by one of Father Cornello's minions that, we, again, we met in that previous arc. Yes. His name is Cray, and he sees Envy transform, and he gets freaked out. He's like, who, what are you? You're not Father Cornello. I thought I was with Father Cornello this whole mm-hmm. time. And they're kind of, the homunculi are kind of like, uh-oh, for a second. And then Gluttony's like, that guy looks delicious. <laughs> um, and then eats him. Yes. Um just just as a quick note here, because that is the end of the scene, uh, Diane is right, but Gluttony has the Ouroboros tattoo on his tongue, Lust has it on her breastbone, just like Siren's just like Siren. tattoo, um, and Envy <laughs> has the tattoo on their thigh. Yes. Uh... But that's all we have, and we go into our intro. Yes, so Alphonse says his little bit about equivalent exchange that he always does. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get our new intro, yes. uh, which is very nostalgic for me. I actually remember this one. Um, and you remember I got really excited and then started singing along. Yeah. It is Ready, Steady, Go by L'Arc-en-Ciel. Um, it features, it's, it's, it's better than the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, it features Winry pretty heavily, which is always good for me. Um, it also features Alex Louis Armstrong, yes. Roy Mustang, yeah. Maze Hughes, Reza Hawkeye, Scar, Lust, Envy, Gluttony, Fear Bradley. I mean, the whole gang is here. The the you you say the imagery is darker. A little bit. It, some of the some of the scenes that they chose to show with the brothers, and, and particularly with Edward, feel like they have a more. Uh, 
Yeah. A, a more dark kind of intensity to them. Sure, yeah. It definitely feels more appropriate, though. Like, the character yes. depictions definitely feel more in line. Though yeah. I don't know why Hawkeye does a backflip. More appropriate. She doesn't do a backflip. She does a front flip backwards. Right. And when everybody it. else just kind of, like, scoots off screen. She has to be dramatic, which is not... Yeah, she just kind of... She kind of rolls into a little ball and just poofs. She, like, rolls into a little ball and then, like, shoops off screen. It's like watching yeah. Samus do something. I don't know. Do do something. <laughs> what did Samus do? She goes into the morph ball. Morph ball, yes. It's morph like watching ball. Samus I morph knew ball this is the, literally the first thing that everybody learns about Metroid. <laughs> Thanks for caring about my interest, Diane. <laughs> so Jeez. Sorry. Um, but thematically, everything does feel a little bit more right. I, I get a better sense of what emotions to expect. Uh, from this this whole arc, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really setting the tone and also setting my expectations. Um, also, one reason that it also feels better is that the images move faster. They, the characters, when characters are actually moving and walking um, or when the camera is panning, it's actually with the tempo of the music instead of super slow. That was a huge yeah. problem that I have with the last one was that like people were either moving real fast doing the staggering <laughs> shimmy or they were walking super slow like scar was in the desert and there was like no in between of any like appropriate pacing of movement but this is so much better for me now it does still have mountains is that going to be an issue you know what we have seen mountains that are lush with ch- these are we just have not seen dry arid mountains like we saw in the last intro so okay. i actually don't have a problem this time with the right. mountains if it's the same kind of mountains i got you um, yes, it's the appropriate kind of mountains this time. So we the next scene starts, and it's it's still technically in Lior, but it's really uh, the homunculi discussing where some of the chess pieces are right now. Um, for instance, they know that the Elrics are in the area uh, moving around, specifically Edward. Mm-hmm. Envy talks about the fact that Scar is moving towards East City. And if I understood everything correctly, because the pronouns get kind of hinky... Lust says that Edward is the closest one to the homunculi's goal, and they can't have Scar going around on his own because he's kind of a wild card. Mm-hmm. And they, they've they been watching Edward. They need Edward for something, and it's not clear right now what that is. Right. Um. So then we get a scene cut to Roy Mustang and Maze Hughes. So let's take you back a little bit uh, to the end of last episode. The end of Mm -hmm. last episode showed Edward and Alphonse at night putting a cat into a bassinet um, and then moving on. And then we also saw at the very end, Scar blow somebody's brains out and then look at the camera and say, East City. So we know (laughs) that Scar was not in East City at this time. Um, He has only very recently learned that he can go to East City However, Edward and Alphonse have made it all the way out of East City by this point because we've just seen them walking through the countryside. They're looking for Dr. Marco. Presumably they've made it to the town where Dr. Marco is. Um, and Roy Mustang and Maze Hughes are in the exact same bar, in the exact same seats, with the exact same drinks, in the exact same uniform. So, like, they have not left this bar for three days. Yeah. And I feel like that's very worth mentioning that they are just getting drunk as shit and not going to work. Um, like, honestly. They like, are in uniform, though. You could they at are least, dressed for work. <laughs> you could at least move them to, like, another side of the bar or to a table to show the passage of time. Put them in their civvies. Get their jackets off. Do something that shows me this is not the same fucking scene. Because they're even having the exact same conversation that they ended last episode with. And at least 24 hours has passed since then. Roy Mustang so, keeps looking at Maze like, No way! You need to go back. Go back. Um, you call what? And Hughes tells him that the serial killer, which he finished up telling him a day ago, um, is called Scar. And he says now that Scar has killed nine state alchemists right. total. So in the time that Roy Mustang and Maze Hughes have been sitting in this bar, Edward and Alphonse have left East City. Scar has and arrived in doubled city. his kill count. <laughs> and, um, and then... Not double. 
No, doubled. Yeah. Yeah, he started at five and now he's not. Started at the bottom. Now we're here. Well, and dozens of people close to state alchemists, they say. Uh, yeah, yeah. They don't matter. It's nine state alchemists. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he's. They, these have like really been moving in the time that they've been sitting here and they're just sitting there. Um, but it, he says that it looks like all these people, all the victims have been blown up from the inside. Mm -hmm. The people at Central Command panicked. They retreated to East City because it's kind of backwater. Um, and Hughes says the people who demoted you three years ago are aware of your abilities, kind of implying you're the flame alchemist. He's not going to try to fuck with you. Or maybe the bigwigs are just going to hide behind you and be like, okay, go fight him now. Um, it's 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 an interesting way to talk about it because this isn't the first time that we've heard demotion right. when Roy, talking about Mustang's move to East City. Yeah, Roy called it a demotion when it initially happened. Right. Even you though know, technically his rank has gone up. Right. He has technically been promoted, but it's it's basically no secret that they punted Roy Mustang out of Central because right. he's he's a troublemaker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a waitress then brings Hughes a phone. And how, how does he respond to this language? Oh, oh, oh I, I, I'm so sorry. I, I have a daughter back home. My wife, she wouldn't... He's shutting her down because he thinks that she's flirting. Why? Yeah, presumably she's already brought him the phone four other times to be like, hey, that serial killer, he got another one. <laughs> Over the past three days, he's yeah. been sitting in this bar. Uh, maybe, it's but... a new, maybe it's a new waitress. The shift changed. But... <laughs> Yeah, because also, how would they know? How else would they know? Yeah, um, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but he also, he he, he thinks she's flirting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does this happen often to him? Why haven't I seen it? Also, between the two, if we got Maze Hughes and Roy Mustang sitting at a bar, canonically, which one do you think a waitress is going to come up to and try to flirt with? Roy Mustang. Exactly. That's the thing is, I was willing to accept that waitresses flirt with Hughes, not just because he he is somewhat handsome, but not but when also because he has, a, but also because he has a rank in the military, and yeah. I assume people are like, okay, he's successful too. But not when he's with Mustang. Exactly. That's, that's what breaks my and suspension of disbelief. And especially not on Mustang's home turf, where he is like known to the women oh. in town. Well, like maybe they. Maybe that's why they don't. Maybe that's why they don't <laughs> <laughs> but he's he, yeah. He thinks she's flirting for whatever reason, but she really just has a phone call for him. Yeah. Um, An update. And, and uh, there's a soldier who has been patrolling East City Station who was killed by the serial killer. So again, in the time that Mays Hughes and Roy Mustang have been sitting in this bar, Edward and Alphonse have left East City to go find Dr. Marco's town, which presumably is not going to be on a main rail line. So they had to get off and like do some yeah. weird maneuvering. Um, Just walking, it looks like. A lot of walking. A lot of walking. A lot yeah. of walking. Um, Scar has killed four people. Plus, and, and, and some other people, And too. some other people. But four alchemists. Four alchemists, that's big. Um, and also gotten on a train without alerting people who know that he's called Scar because he has a big X-shaped scar on his face without having them go, oh man, that guy has an X-shaped scar on his face. So he snuck onto a train, arrived in East City, and killed another person. There's so much that has happened since they've been sitting in this bar it makes me angry. <laughs> yeah. Or like change the location. <laughs> or Put change them in seats, Mustang's office. Or take office. your jackets off or do something. Go to Mays Hughes' like hotel room because I assume he's staying in one of those right now. Do something to show me that they haven't been in this same fucking bar for three goddamn days. Well, that's the thing though. <laughs> they have been. <laughs> um, I'm so mad. Edward and Alphonse have arrived in a new town. This one does not have a name, uh, so we're about we're sh- about fifty fifty on whether or not towns have names. Um, it might just be like an incorporated area, though. I'm willing to I'm um, willing to accept that. Therefore, it does not deserve a name. The townspeople they don't call it anything. They're just like oh, you know town, um, and they're talking to various townspeople and groups of people that they see uh, on the street. All of these frames are weirdly like static, like they don't move the the camera kind of pans across them but they're there they're all there for several seconds at a time it's very very lazy and it looks very dumb which is very disappointing because mm-hmm. uh, because we saw a bunch of stuff last episode that was extremely promising uh edward and alphonse are of course asking about dr marco yeah there is a doctor in town they are told but his name is dr morrow mm-hmm. but he's a good doctor 
the people in town are poor, so it's good to have a doctor. He's very, very kind. Um, and sometimes when he treats people, particularly in cases where they're suffering from some unique or particularly bad ailment, he'll perform his medicine, but there will be a, a glow, a bright light when he treats them. I'm, and this matches the story that they heard in Zen Time as well. I'm always so interested, though, in, in specifically this with the mundanity of alchemy. Um, how people can always see alchemy and just not recognize what it is. Uh, it's, it's very... That bugs me too. It, it bothers me. Yeah. Because Arakawa sets that up in Usewell when, uh, I don't remember his name. Right. When, says, yeah. Yeah, I tried to do alchemy, oh, but I just yeah, wasn't very good Oh, yeah, they immediately recognize They're like, oh, that's alchemy. I dabbled in alchemy once as a kid, right. but didn't really have a talent for it. And then we moved to, so, like, people, uh, it's recognizable to people. Less so when Edward does it because he doesn't use a transmutation yeah. circle. I, I'm thinking about a specific moment in Rush Valley where he arm wrestles somebody and he claps under the table and then grabs the guy's hand and squeezes and busts up his arm. But, like... The electric shot, like static, you could see would also have just been the bright flash of wires sparking and popping, so people sure. could dismiss it as that. Like he, but right. usually people will see him do alchemy and be like, "Hey, that's alchemy." Yeah. So it, it's it's so bizarre to me that people in this universe, right? And the reason I bring up that we'll see scene, it and not recognize it. The reason I bring up that specific scene in Usual is because they they also did that here. So it should be the same thing. I don't feel like this is just a... That's not how it is in the manga complaint. It's yeah. like people in this universe should know what alchemy is. Right. They it probably have kids in town learning it, trying pretty it. Pretty run-of-the-mill. This mm-hmm. is just like... this is. I mean, I, I imagine in school they sit down and they learn like fundamentals of alchemy in the way that you or I might sit down and learn like integrative physics and chemistry you know yeah as, as seventh graders like you just you just learn it it's just part of that universe it's a science yeah i remember in eighth grade my string theory professor <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, you no didn't... but no, no no but you're right like yeah uh, even even fundamentals of like art or music you should yeah, sure. know what alchemy is if it exists that's the responsibility of your education system right it's just it's just how it works but it's i mean this is also a universe where somebody like rose could see auto mail for the first time and have a and be like, ah! panic. <laughs> so <laughs> who knows bothers me let's go <laughs> so the elric brothers take their chat on the road um they're, so they're walking down the street and they're like yeah so he's definitely using alchemy to people to heal people i think that this dr moro is dr marco but edward grabs alphonse really quickly and pushes him into this pile of straw and he's upset about getting straw inside of him yeah the reason that edward has pushed them into this straw pile is because he noticed that there is a state alchemist walking around town kind of looming around town he's a big big boy his name is his name is Alex Louis Armstrong, which we know, but the bo- and the he boys has probably know too. A physique and a blonde curl on his head that yes. has been passed down the Armstrong line for generations. Accurate. Um, yes, his his blonde little hair curl on his otherwise bald head and his very sharp blue eyes are kind of his and, and his size, of course, are his distinguishing features. Also, the set of his jaw. He's a very uh, classically handsome man. <laughs> If you like beefcake. I guess he is. <laughs> so we talk. He's about the, chiseled. We talk about the himbo triangle. How how the himbo triangle, you, you, you got to be a beefcake. You got to be a, a, uh, a woman respecter. Woman respecter. And you got to be dumb as a brick. Like no thoughts, just vibes. But unfortunately, Armstrong's a state alchemist, which means he's not dumb as a brick. Which means that he does not meet all three criteria to be a himbo, which makes him Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So I ooh, I don't agree that he's inherently smart because he's a state alchemist. He's got to be real good at alchemy. He do, yes, he must be. He must be good at alchemy. And but it, he's he probably is tragedy. smart. Yep. Oh, sorry, it's it's when I say punchy alchemy, <laughs> <laughs> it's a punchy tragedy. Ha! I'm sorry. New merch. Where? Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. That was a but he turns we'll away. Sorry. <laughs> um, but Armstrong turns away. Uh, he didn't see them. And the boys are like, Marco's house should be close by. And then there's gunshots. 
and at that point we come to see that we are at Marco's house. They've they've I guess knocked on the door and he has fired a pistol at them. The pa- the pacing's really really odd here. I I think it would have helped them to show Edward knocking on the door. Yeah, yeah, for real. And I, I get the vibe of wanting it to be like I want these gunshots to just happen to you. I mean, you're the author of the Emancipated Candidate. You know how that goes. Yeah, you literally just want him to die. You don't yeah. want any warning. It's just boom, he's dead. Bye. But this is but this is too little warning. You didn't even tell me that we were changing scenes, so it's very jarring. I'm not jarring enough that people would be really confused, but jarring enough that. I feel critically we can be like, I would have appreciated another couple seconds this way. The point is, the pacing here is kind of funky. Um, I don't think it's funky to the point that somebody would be confused about what happened. But looking at it critically, I think it's fair to say we would have benefited from a couple seconds backwards of saying, they're at the house, they're knocking on the door, now he's firing a gun at them. Yeah. Instead of, they're going to go to the house, they're hiding in a hay pile and they're going to go to the house and now he's shooting a gun at them. Also interesting that Alphonse cowers here. He's yeah, terrified it's for weird. his own he, life. For... <laughs> He's a suit of armor. And he told us four episodes ago that he can't get scared. Yeah, exactly. It, four or five episodes ago. I, who cares? He can't feel terror. And that's, that's what's important. He certainly so... looks terrified here. Um, <laughs> and Dr. Marco, we learned that he's called the Crystal Alchemist. He's like, I don't want to go back to being a state alchemist. I won't do it. I will. I have a gun. He is crazed. Yep. As he says this, he will die before he goes back. Yes. Out of nowhere, Alphonse completely changes character and yeah. he stands up and he looms over Marco and then he's like, you couldn't kill me if you tried. And then mm-hmm. he steps forward and bangs his breastplate very intentionally against uh, the barrel of Marco's gun. And we hear yep. this hollow boom. It's a really, really strong beat. Yeah, too bad really... it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't make any sense because he was terrified a second ago. And now he's just like, gun. <laughs> You think you can hurt me with gun? But like, and, even if we consider in the train episode, he told those guys don't fire at him because it'll ricochet. Yeah. So even if now he's doing this, like if that was why he ducked down to be like, oh no, it could ricochet off of me and hurt somebody. Even now walking directly in front of the gun and being like, eh, yeah. to the gun, <laughs> it could still ricochet off of him. So no matter where we are, there are right. just gaps in logic. Yeah. I think that's the thing is like this beat a really, really cool utilization of the fact that your character is a hollow metal boy. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense for Alphonse to do it. With everything right? that we've seen previously. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not a good beat for him. Yeah. Um, And then Marco's like, oh my god, you're the full metal alchemist. But of course, it, it, it's not the full metal alchemist. Yep. Edward creeps around from behind. He's like, I am the full metal alchemist. And then we get our commercial break. We come back and we're in Marco's house. I guess I guess all is well now. Um, and the boys are seated at the table. They're talking to Marco about uh, what's going on. Marco stole his writings and his research materials when he ran away from the military, which was in uh, which was during the Ishvalan uprising, as Edward calls it. Doctor Marco does not call it that. He calls it the massacre. Right. Um, Edward's real pumped about everything that Marco's telling him. Right, because Marco was studying the Philosopher's Stone. Right, and Edward's like, hey, yeah, that's great. We're looking into human transmutation. Stop. Stop telling people this. This, (laughs) It's illegal. It it is illegal. It's stupid. Stop telling people you're trying to do this. It's the one thing you're not supposed to tell people. And now both of you have just... You just throw it around. What is the matter with you? Anyways, Marco talks more about Ishval and how terrible it was and how, basically, if Edward had been there, he wouldn't be talking the way he's talking. Yeah. And it's played over scenes from present-day Lior. So we see Amestrian soldiers kicking down doors, we see them shooting people, and we see them find Rosé with the children that she has. Uh, They're not her children, they're... And specifically them finding Rosé with the children that she's hiding with. Mm-hmm. Marco feels that he can never ever atone for what's happened in Ishval. Yeah. Which compels Edward to try and pull the rank card and the law card, I guess, by being like, I'm a state alchemist. I have a right to see your research since you did your research as a state alchemist. Um, 
And Marco basically says Ed's immature and says that he's, it's unfortunate that he was like lured in by the money and privileges promised to a state alchemist. Uh, he calls him small. Yeah. Which makes but, like in his, in his statement, you're immature. He uses the word small. Right. Which Edward just. Mm-mm. Which of course, Mm-mm. I mean, of course. Oh no. Um, and Edward knows that what they're doing is stupid. He's like, I know it's stupid, but, but I still want to do it. <laughs> um, Alphonse tries a new tactic. Yes, he brings up the babies from Zena time that Dr. Marco treated. And he's like, all those babies you healed, they're doing fine today. You know, minus Ellis's cough that we like never saw fixed. But, yeah. You know, they're all doing fine. Other than that one baby. The Other one, than that the one, one who baby lived. who's chronically ill. <laughs> they're all, they're all fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and Dr. Marco's eyes though flicker to his right. Yes. Which is Edward's left. And Edward jumps up and he starts touching the wall. I didn't and he... notice the eye flicker the first time we watched it. So, so I thought he just Edward jumped just up just... and started touching the wall. And I was like, talk about convenient fucking writing. No, there was actually a beat in there. Okay. But Edward starts touching the wall and then he transmutes a hole in the wall. And Dr. Marco's like, oh, no transmutation circle. But Edward in this wall finds like a little hidden cabinet. And mm-hmm. in it is a vial of what looks like... The red water from Zenitime, yep. but clearer. Yep. Alphonse grabs Edward, and the vial kind of flies out of Edward's hand, and it breaks on the ground. But the liquid inside, instead of, like, splattering, it kind of pebbles up into this droplet. Kind of, I would say about the size of a thumb. A thumb or a thumbnail? I was going to say Like a jelly bean. Like a jelly bean? Yeah. Okay. Pebbles um, up like a little jelly bean. A large yeah, jelly bean. A large jelly bean. Yeah, a large jelly bean. A jelly bean like on a large Like a Brax side. jelly bean. I guess. Sponsor us. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> um, and Alphonse holds it up. and or I don't know. Alphonse doesn't hold it up. But he sees it and he's like, this looks like the thing that Father Cornello had in Lior, which Edward and Alphonse believe was a fake philosopher's stone, a yeah. phony. Just then, the doors kind of kicked open and some soldiers entered, guns drawn, with Boss Grand. Mm-hmm. And Boss Grand says that it is a philosopher's stone. And he orders Dr. Marco to hand over the stone and his research materials. But then he kind of backsteps a bit and he says that this stone, it's a research product. It's not the same thing as a true philosopher's stone. What the fuck is a true philosopher's stone? It really... Come on! Yeah. I really don't know. It really feels like... (laughs) It really feels like Walter White's meth is a philosopher's stone. (laughs) But just your average meth. That's just a red stone. (laughs) So they're really trying to get that purity right. And that was, like, there's degrees of Philosopher's Stone. Like, you can, like, uh... No, I think your meth analogy was good. Keep yeah. going with that. <laughs> it's, I think it's squares and rectangles. Like, all Philosopher's Stones are red stones, but not all red stones are necessarily true Philosopher's Stones. Okay. Okay, got That's it. my current working theory. Got it. I don't, I don't know. And they're not doing anything to help us. Um, but... <laughs> he explains that back when it was used during the Ishbal Rebellion, it, it, it really augmented their abilities. It was used to great effect. And we get a flashback. We get a Boss Grok flashback no. um, in which he's in battle, no. shirtless, and no. he's got an arm cannon. No. And he holds out the arm no. cannon. And then he transforms into like... <laughs> something out of the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Like he was prophesied as an angel by yeah. Isaiah. He, he is he, he's a megazord. He he's a biblical angel. He, it's <laughs> he, he transforms he anamorphs into like a fuck I don't know, like a tank, like a transformer. Uh, he's covered in <laughs> cannons. And he just starts blasting. Like you, like he the way forms they, Voltron. Yeah. The way they set the scene is he's like surrounded by these Ishvalan savages. And he holds up his arm cannon. And it glows. And, and you're like, oh just, cool, he's about to shoot a laser. Nope. No. No. He grows like six layers of metal coating and a bunch of guns and just starts shooting. <laughs> I, we they're not even mobile guns like they just they're just like i oh my it's i can't so it, wild this this might have been my favorite moment of watching the series frankly I because cried. we paused it immediately so and just looked at each other like <laughs> did we actually just see what <laughs> what 
the thing is tears we <laughs> tears we expect alchemy to work a certain way because we've been conditioned by the manga and by brotherhood that it has very specific rules and typically when somebody mm-hmm. uses alchemy you can see how they got <laughs> how you get there from point a to point b right, right 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 so we see like even in lior father cornella takes a falling flower and transforms it into a big crystal flower mm-hmm. like it's still a flower becomes a bigger flower right it, it, you see we don't know how he made the birdman but we don't see that we don't we don't need to but it's still bird becomes bigger bird mm-hmm. it's it's still little it's not... bird becomes amalgamation of many little birds like there, there's there's still it's not man becomes angel <laughs> <laughs> it's not man becomes one of the orphans yeah it's it <laughs> just just an amazing scene Oh, it's a work of I art. I strongly it's recommend it. It's a work it. of art. If it hasn't been gift yet. It has, I promise. It has? Yeah. Good. Yeah, we're not the first people to discover this. Come on. Yeah, but in 2003, opinion, t- you know, taste change. <laughs> people grow. Um, <laughs> Edward wants the formula. Back in the present. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, to whatever present we can go back to after that. Do you think he told that story in that time? Or do you think he was just like, it's used to great effect. Anyway. (laughs) Or do you think he's like, it was used to great effect. I myself used it to transform into an angel on the battlefield. Um, And Ed's like, like, I want to be an angel. Gazed into the middle distance and reminisced for a moment and then snapped back. I like to (laughs) think that. He's like, God, I missed that fucking mech suit. (laughs) I like to think we got into his head for a minute <laughs> and we saw him i i don't know um, <laughs> but edward... I, I like to think that he, he he sat there and reminisced about the time that he was an ava pilot <laughs> yes <laughs> um back in the present Jeez. And, <laughs> Edward wants the formula. He wants it real bad, considering it is his main goal as a character right now to get a Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. And and that's important. We'll come back to that. Basgran says that, no, it's top secret. It's under my jurisdiction. Absolutely not. The soldiers pull Marco out of the house and and into this car. They're arresting him. Yeah. And he struggles. And the town kind of watches this go down because what the heck are they going to do? Yeah. Um. And Edward says, it's just like that other time, referencing when Show Tucker and Nina Tucker were getting taken away, which it's not. It's because right. I, Edward didn't really want to engage with Show Tucker's research when he and Nina were being taken away. It was more about saving Nina for being Nina. Yeah. Than, I, I, I don't think he wants Marco saved for the sake of being Marco. I think he wants Marco saved so that he could give him the things he wants. Yeah. It's completely different, but whatever. And then Ever chases the car and he says, and he says, he says, I may not have grown at all, mm-hmm. but I can't let my heart stay stunted. Very in character for him to recognize his shortcomings. Oh not only God. his short height, but his shortcomings <laughs> in the ways of the heart. And I say that sarcastically, considering he never recognizes those no, things. No, he doesn't. It should be a big deal if he recognizes. Yeah. Yeah. It's know. it's weird. Also, where's Alphonse? Well, we'll find out. Because there's a car. Um, well, the car that Marco is in screeches to a halt because there's a person standing in the middle of the road. It's Scar! It's now, we want Scar. you to go back to Roy Mustang and Mayus Hughes in the bar for a minute. Okay? Because not only has Scar arrived in East City... By the time that the boys are here and finding Marco, Scar has left East City mm-hmm. and gone all the way to the town where Marco lives. The unincorporated area. The unincorporated area that Marco lives in. And this has all happened during this binge. what passage of time? This uh, timing is a big thing for this episode, and we will talk about that, but oof. They're going to roll into headquarters and people are going to be like, where have you been for the last week? And they're going to be like, week? <laughs> what do you mean? 
but it's Scar, and Scar promptly blows up the car. Yep. Boss Grand stands up, and he is ready to use the Philosopher's Stone on Scar. But Scar fucking kills him! Yep. Just kills him. That's how which I like my deaths. Yes, which is really, really Unexpected. Cool. Just kill somebody. No warning whatsoever. No he, holding somebody over the shark tank. Yep, no giant bomb. He, no. He, no timer. Dead. Bye-bye. Boss in the middle of his speech about how he's going to use the Philosopher's Stone. Scar grabs his face, and he dies. The end. It's excellent. So yes. So, so... Big big props to them. For yes, that, that that's beautiful. Thank you. Not en- not enough people kill the characters, and I understand you want it. It can't be done that way every single time, but no, very but, refreshing. But fucking stunning. Yep. Um, fucking and it didn't stunning. take him four episodes to do it. Naruto. <laughs> um, <laughs> Edward is shook by this. He's very frightened, and he recognizes Scar, but he is he recognizes Scar as the guy that he met three years ago when he yeah. <laughs> resigned from being a state alchemist and then reenlisted. Um, but he's too scared to run away. He's frozen in place. Scar turns to Dr. Marco and he's like, I heard you were dead, but I'm going to take special care to kill you, Dr. Marco, the crystal alchemist. Um, and he, he makes an oath in the name of God uh, just to reinforce that he believes he is an instrument of divine uh, retribution. Yes. Edward grabs Marco and runs, presumably seeing another person in danger has motivated him to get going. And Scar's like, oh, and the Full Metal Alchemist. So he's kind of excited. Yes. Because now he's getting a bunch of State Alchemists just served up to him. Maybe that's how he is able to double his kill count every 12 hours, every 36 hours. Every 72 hours. Excuse me. Excuse me. I know math. I can do it. Edward runs through the streets and he's like, I I definitely piss people off, but not to the point where I think they'd want to kill me. Um, And Alphonse pops out of this little alleyway and he's like, Ed, Dr. Marco, come in here. So they quickly hook into the alleyway, and Alphonse uses a chalked transmutation circle to transmute the entryway closed. And they all and just kind of hang out and like catch the breath there for a minute. Yeah. But we saw last episode how effective it is to put a rock wall between an alchemist and anything. Right. Um, not effective. It's not. But Scar, because Scar enters anyway. He just yep. blows up the wall and he comes in. And, and then, then he collapses the tunnel so they can't get out. Yes. And Scar says that if there are creators, alchemists, alchemists then there must also be de- a destroyer. Suka. Um, and Dr. Marco tells Edward to run, but Edward picks up like a little strip of rebar um, and transmutes that into a dagger. And Scar tells Edward that Ed reminds him of his older brother, Scar's mm-hmm. older brother. And yep. we see Scar's older brother and an unnamed Ishvalan woman. Interesting, though, because they have dark hair instead of the typical Ishvalan white. Right, yeah, very, very interesting. Um, but we see this woman. She's uh, She's got long, wavy hair. She's very curvy. She looks a little bit like lust. Now I'm sure that'll be relevant. Now you're talking crazy. <laughs> Edward lunges, but he misses, and then Scar goes in with his hand to destroy Edward's face and Alphonse (laughs) jumps in the way to intervene and Scar grabs Alphonse's arm instead and his alchemy leaves a really bad crack and then Scar steps back and kind of is like my meant to destroy a human body so you got away with a scratch so apparently intention does matter when you do alchemy in this universe Um, Scar says that he only wants to kill alchemists Except, except for, for the, the dozens of people that he's killed who aren't alchemists. Yeah, except for all of them. Um, alchemists profane God by transforming things into grotesqueries. And mm-hmm. he is an agent of God who passes judgment. Yep. Alphonse like, dude, I'm an alchemist too. And Scar's like, dude, do you want me to kill you? And Alphonse is like, that's my brother. Like, you, I can't watch you kill my brother. And Scar's yeah. like, well... <laughs> you got me there. I get that. Um, but the reason that that's the same reason that I'm trying to kill your brother is because Alchemist killed my brother and I want revenge. Yeah. Um, Edward goes back in for the fight and Scar yes. grabs his arm and tries to do the thing, do the thing, do the destroy the thing. But fortunately, this is Edward's auto mail arm. Um, and Scar kind of pulls back and looks at his hand like, huh. Um, and he compares Edward's right arm to his own. They bring about nothing 
but destruction. And Edward's like, don't you compare our arms. Um, after that, Alex Louis Armstrong enters. He is the strong arm alchemist. And Alphonse, his, Alphonse's first response is like, oh crap, you're here for Dr. Marco? But ALA, because he is a total Chad, walks right past Dr. Marco and Alphonse. And he says, I'm sorry I'm late. And he explains that Hughes assigned him to watch and guard Edward. That's why he's in this city. That's why he's kind of following the boys around. And he turns to Scar and he's like, you're an agent of God, you say? Well, why don't you try passing judgment on me? (laughs) It's so sick. That's such a good line. (laughs) Uh, It's so so good. Uh, And Scar's excited because, again, like he's trembling with anticipation of up in that kill count. And this would be four alchemists, four state alchemists in one day with Boss Grand, ALA, Edward, and Dr. Marco. That's so many. Point is, um, Alex Lewis Armstrong shoots his alchemy at Scar. It yeah. is a technique, an alchemy technique that has been passed on the Armstrong line for generations. Naturally. Um, what does it do? It it turns, he basically punches stone and the stone transmutes into like really whatever. Yeah, really whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. It's very much, his, his alchemy is very much based in sculpture. Yes. Um, and he, he uses, and when he punches something, he's kind of enforcing kinetic energy in order mm-hmm. to get whatever he is sculpting to move forward. So it's it's actually a yes. very it's something you can look at and go, oh I can understand how his alchemy works, which you can't always do in this uh it seems in O three. It seems more powerful here than than I feel like it is in Brotherhood though. I feel like yeah, I feel like it's a lot faster. They do they like... do not spend a lot of time on it. You don't get to really see yeah. it work at work, but it's um it is there. It's just real quick. Yep. Um then we get a flash to Lior. Yeah, they kind of they kind of use the the pacing of the fighting to juxtapose the fight happening with Scar while these other things are happening in Lior. Yes. So in Lior, Rose is guarding the children, and we see General Halcrow come in, and he demands information on where these rebels are hiding. And Rose is basically like, "We don't have them." And then Halcrow slaps her, and yeah. and she's she she tells him basically basically she, her position is that. Me and these kids, we are not combatants. Yeah, we're yeah. Right, and we he's don't have like, anything don't to do with what's happening. Don't you understand? We have come to liberate this town, and and she is like, we're we love our city. We're gonna keep moving forward under our own power. And mm-hmm. she screams, "Our legs are fine after all," which I swear to you is more poetic in Japanese. I totally believe you. It's a little clunky still, but it 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 does make a little bit more. All all anime get a certain degree of clunk forgiveness from me yeah yeah Um, yeah but that that mirrors what edward told her in episode one and two which technically mirrors what roy told edward in episode seven right so really what she's doing is repeating the words of roy mustang because what roy told edward in episode seven was part of a flashback it's important yes back in town seven um, fucking episode alex louis armstrong taking on scar has given the boys and marco the chance to escape Mm-hmm. Uh, so they run out of the tunnel and they run kind of into some trees yeah. nearby. Edward gives Marco back the Philosopher's <laughs> Stone. Uh, and you're, you're, I assume you're laughing because you know that this drives me insane. Yeah. yeah. Because he had the... <sighs> he had it. He had literally he, the he thing the, that he, he wanted. Had, he had the MacGuffin. It's... He had the MacGuffin in his hand. It was there. And it's not even like, hey, let me just get my brother's body back really quickly, and then I'm going to give this back to you to do whatever you need. He's just, just like, you know what? You here take you it. Go. Alphonse is probably watching, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then Edward says the thing about move forward. Yeah, it says the thing about legs, legs again. Legs thing and whatever. And that's the end of the episode. That's it. That's the whole thing. I think it's kind of implied that they're going to adventure with Doctor Marco a little bit next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Either they're going to help him get rehidden or get him established somewhere else before they go on their own right way. yeah because part of the reason that ever gives him the stone back is he's like the people of this town need it as if marco can fucking stay in this town yeah <laughs> after like, boskron found him like yeah boskron's dead but you think he didn't like place a phone call to somebody before he was dead right yeah we went to his house to arrest him but he got away from us okay well definitely don't check the house anymore yeah all right everybody pull out of there <laughs> what are you talking about um, but yeah, all right. But it it does sound like they they want him to just set up where he, where he was. We have a new outro. Yes. Um, 
It is Tobira no Mukoe. Mukoe? I, you're gonna... Yeah. <laughs> Tobira no Mukoe. By a group called Yellow Generation. Yeah. Um, which is not a good band name. I'm okay. <laughs> realizing now. Sorry for... Okay. Uh, uh, this one also has lots of Winry. Uh, specifically lots of Winry and Edward and Alphonse and even the dog Den when they were kids growing up together mm-hmm. and Alphonse had a body. Is some snow in this? Yeah. So so the like the first half of it is the sequences of them as kids. Trisha's there, I think. Uh, their yes, mom. For a minute. Um, the, the, the Elric mom. The dead Elric mom. And then the second half is like snow falling on Edward and Alphonse. Yeah. Um, and it naturally it melts on Edward's left hand, given that his left hand is it's human. But it doesn't melt on his right hand. And it doesn't melt on Alphonse at all, because he's a fridge boy. <laughs> um, and you had a problem with the coloring. Yeah, the color scheme <laughs> on it is really weird. Edward has green hair, like Billie Eilish used to. It's <laughs> lime green. It's the color yeah. of Mountain Dew. It is... <laughs> they, yeah. It's horrendous. Um, it's toxic. It's interesting, too, though, because the homunculi, except for gluttony, obviously, they also have green hair. Not this green but like a deeper sagey green. I don't think Lust doesn't have green hair. She's black no. hair, or she's like brownish hair. No, her mm. dress is green. Her dress is a really dark is it, green. That, is that it? Yeah. I remember seeing something green on her. But Envy's hair is definitely green. Yeah. Uh, but it's a different green. It's like a really, really, really like pitch green, like a really deep, yeah. deep forest green. Yeah. Um. But that is that is the end of the first episode of what we're going to call season two. It's really just the second part of this show. Yeah. Um, the second collection of episodes. Yes. I think is. they only had a one episode, a one week break, just like we had a two week break. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cursed it. But major, major, major takeaways from this episode. Pacing bad. Yes. And it's a complicated episode to do this with because you they're trying to do a lot of stuff in this episode right but it feels very unfocused and that yes that makes the pacing screw up yeah yeah, um, yeah. the pacing super wonky at times the cuts are weird like specifically that bit where edward is is in a field and then suddenly he's getting shot at by marco mm-hmm. like i um, thought he was honestly getting shot at in the field like against the wall. i did too yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like how did what what you know what what and, then, and they, catch us, they catch us up, but like, yeah, it's weird. Mustang and Hughes are in the bar for days. Scar arrives in East City and in Marco's incorporated area yeah. within the same time that Edward and Alphonse have been wandering around the whole town. Like, it's just a lot of things are happening too too quickly. It's It's very messy. Yeah. They don't know where to put the Lior beats because to me, they feel weird. It would have made the most sense to just put all the Lior stuff on its own in either the beginning or the end of the episode. Yeah, or maybe split it and put put it at the end as a cliffhanger because now they left us no cliffhanger. I would argue, but but yeah, that's really my main takeaway too is that the pa- the pacing is is weird. It's very messy. It's hard to come up with a concise summary. For all yeah. the things that happened this episode. Yeah, real tough. And I think they could have done either a whole episode about Dr. Marco. That would have been a little tougher. Because um, mm-hmm. I feel like you probably would have had to balance it more with Roy and Maze's military plot line. Uh, but then they would have had to actually do something. Right. Or it could have been an episode all about Scar, since it is called Destruction's Right Hand. Mm-hmm. And that would have given them the opportunity to do something I think would have been really nice, which is kind of get into a little bit of that relationship that he had with his brother so that when that fight with Edward happens, it can be a character thing for Scar where he's fighting this kid. Who reminds and, him of his brother. Right, and he starts having trouble being like, okay, there are people, like the people that I loved. Yeah. On the side that I hate. Yeah. But can we talk about Boss Grant for a second? His death, iconic. Yeah. Beautiful. Very, very nice bones. Beautiful. You get one. Um. Um. We had that weird Alphonse beat where he was cowering in terror that he cannot feel, and then he suddenly grew balls. But do you remember in the Barry the Chop Barry the Chopper episode? <laughs> uh, in the do you remember in that episode he has a beat where he uh, I think he says the same thing: "You couldn't kill me if you tried, or you're gonna have to try harder than that to kill me." Yeah, but it's whatever yeah. tries to stab him. You're gonna have to yeah. try harder than that to kill. So they me. so they want these badass Alphonse beats. But they're unearned. But they're not. Yeah, they're, they're not. not they're not them. writing a badass Alphonse. No, no. Which is very, very possible. 
Yes, it is. No, they're writing a very second string album. Yeah. It hurts. Um, <laughs> we talked about this, but what does Scar? What does Scar want to do? Because I he thought... only wants to kill Saint Alchemist Langdon but... and the dozens of other people that he killed is like on the way to kill Saint Alchemist, but. Only state alchemists. Look, if it wears a uniform and doesn't have any speaking lines, it's expendable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Overall, the episode, and we we don't really have much to say about this episode. I think largely because it is so unfocused, it's hard to kind of sit down and say, did this episode execute what it set out to do? Yeah. Because all it set out to do is give us information and move things forward. Yeah. Um, It feels like a step back from what we saw last episode. Yes, it does. That's tolerable right now because I understand that, like, it certainly seems like money is an issue with this show. Yes, sometimes they have it and sometimes they do not. And sometimes they dump it all into a single episode. The animation quality is definitely back to what it used to be. Yes. It's not where it was last episode. No. Um, But if they're saving money to give us great episodes later, I'll allow it for now. Yeah. Um, But it still feels really lazy. Like, especially with those stills when the Elmerics were walking through the field. Yes. And we have the stills of all the people, one of whom... It's just straight up Sophie from Howl's Moving Castle. <laughs> the old woman? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just straight up Sophie. And but but it's that's that one's also probably to me the most egregious still, because she's directly facing the camera. So you can yeah. see she's not moving. If everyone else had been turned away, I probably wouldn't have even like been like, it's so bad. But like because they actually showed them as still photographs with literal people with their mouths not moving. That's why it's so, it just looks bad. Yeah. And kind of the last thing that we said is that it, even though the episode starts with kind of a, let's see where everybody is right now. Yeah. They don't really seem to have a great idea of where their chess pieces are. Or at least they don't have that sense that George R.R. R. Martin does of how long it takes for things to happen and people to travel to places. Right. Yeah. So they, yes, yeah, because they talk about Ed's being in East City while he is not in East City, they talk about Scars being on his way to East City when he's already killed somebody in East City yeah. and is presumably on his way out of East City to fuck shit up in Marco's incorporated area. Like, it, and, and, and sure, maybe the homunculi don't know all that. But then why? But then but don't the, give us that dialogue over these things happening. Right. It's not it's useful just, to me messy. as a viewer. It's, it's yeah. confusing. Um, it's it's very confusing for people to receive or or relay information out of time. Um, you want to, as a writer, you want to relay information that is happening as soon as you possibly can. Um, and if yeah. you have to revisit it in the future, then you talk about it as it happened in the past and like give me significant times. Like, well, we found a person who died in the East City train station four hours ago, sir. Like yeah. something like that would really establish for me, oh, he's already here and on the move versus well, somebody's died in East City. Well, that could have been like 15 minutes ago. Well, and, it's and then super, suddenly he's there. It's super common to the, to the point where I would say it's expected for writing for writers or teams of writers to keep a timeline of events yeah absolutely it's it's critical that you do that yes and where it's like okay so last episode alphonse and edward are putting this cat in this box maybe it's 11 p.m they're gonna walk maybe they get on a train and sleep on a train this could be the next morning right it's Mm -hmm. it's that's kind of unlikely to me i think the east is more spread out than that and i think travel is slower but even then they don't Roy and Maze Hughes have been in the bar overnight. Yes. It's very hard to tell when things are happening in relation to one another. It really and is. I think that probably also affects the Lior stuff because you see the Lior stuff happening this day and then all the stuff happens with Dr. Marco and it's like, is this, this is the same day? This is all happening at the same time? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Um, that's really it for this episode. Uh, we're going to come back next time with the Ishval massacre. Uh, I'm hoping to see some of the stuff that was getting us excited that we saw in the last episode. In terms of the overall improvement of the show, we know that we're going to see Scar versus Roy. Yep. And we know that we're going to see Scar versus Edward, and I assume it's going to follow a very crucial manga chapter. And I say crucial because a lot of images from it resonate very strongly. Um, I think it, I think it's one of those moments in the manga that says, okay, we are having fun most of the time, but this is something serious. This is dangerous. Yeah. So that that should be fun. 
Okay, guys, before we go, we have to tell you something. Um, we have a Patreon now. <gasps> um, so we, you can, you can, the, you can do the Patreon thing. Um, at patreon.com forward slash Diane and Langdon. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash D-Y-A-N-N-E-A-N-D-L-A-N-G-D-O-N. Yes. So if uh, you guys, yeah, if you like the show, if you want to help us make the show, please, uh, we definitely appreciate it. We really do. Um, we have multiple tiers. Some of our tiers come <laughs> with merch. You could, uh, after your third payment, uh, you could get a sticker that says Ooh. alchemy causes problems, violence solves them. Yes, it does. Or you can get a blue shirt with the Stang Gang on it, which you can Ooh. wear while you and your closest friends do <laughs> the Stang Gang shimmy. Um, but if you want to get in touch with us, tell us your feelings about the show or even point out anything that we got wrong or tell us what you want to hear us do One later. of you we know listens to this in Virginia 17 times um, every single week. So I hope it's 17 people. <laughs> um <laughs> But we also have an email address, Diane and Langdon, spelled the same way, at gmail.com. Yes. Um, we'd be very happy to... Uh, we've gotten a couple, so we, it's been we very have. fun we to We love from hearing people. from you guys. And um, we also have a Tumblr uh, that's Diane and Langdon, spelled the same way, dot Tumblr.com. So you can hit us up in uh, any of those places, honestly. And we love hearing from you guys, so... Thanks so much for listening. It. Thank um, you. And we'll be back next time. Bye.